0: be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening and thank you for your support.
1: From KQED. Hello. Hello. I'm like a kid anytime I'm in a tunnel.
2: <laughs> for anybody down here. It feels kind of spooky. So the rumors are that this place is haunted.
1: Don't tell me that. Okay, Peter, why don't you tell us where we are right now?
2: We're off Highway 17, nestled deep in the Santa Cruz Mountains. This is just the portal of a tunnel, and then it just disappears into the hillside, into a forest.
1: This dark tunnel was once part of a railroad, an engineering marvel. Its tracks slice through the mountains and pass through some of the longest tunnels in California. I'm Katrina Schwartz, and this is Bay Curious, where we answer your questions about the Bay Area. Today, reporter Peter Arcuni and I are taking you on the journey of how a cutting-edge railroad became mostly crumbling tunnels to nowhere.
2: With an S. Thanks.
1: So, Peter, we're not the only ones intrigued by these tunnels, right? Nope.
2: Turns out there are a lot of folks obsessed with old railroads. Local historian Derek Whaley is one of them. His obsession began in 2012 when he stumbled on a piece of lost history.
3: It was a Southern Pacific station book, which is literally what it sounds like. It's just a book that lists all the stations dated from 1899. It just fascinated me because it had all these stops I'd never heard of before.
2: Towns like Alma Wrights, Laurel, that despite growing up in Santa Cruz County, he never knew existed.
3: And so I just started looking for them.
2: Derek wrote two books about the 25-mile stretch of track known as the mountain route a line that once connected Los Gatos and what's now Silicon Valley to Santa Cruz by traversing the rocky peaks and lush forests of the Santa Cruz Mountains.
1: So those are the same crumbling tunnels that we visited earlier.
2: Exactly. Here's how author H. S. Needler described the journey in his 1895 book Through Storyland to Sunset Seas.
1: The ride is one which rivals anything up the Shasta Division or over the Sierras. For though the mountain groups are not so massive, the effects are equally fine.
2: But how did this beautiful ride come about? We need to go back a little and introduce you to a wealthy entrepreneur named James Graham
3: Fair. If there's any one person you need to know, it's probably him.
2: Fair, or Slippery Jim as some called him, made his fortune mining silver in the Nevada mountains. And now, Fair wanted into the lucrative railroad
3: game. He had a lot of money, a lot of influence, And just a huge vision.
2: Railroads were big business. Everything from shipping to logging, mining, and agriculture depended on the railroad. Fair's vision was to compete with the big train lines, like the Central and Southern Pacific Railroads, that had staked their claim across the Western U.S. in the late 19th century. So he honed in on the previously untapped Santa Cruz Mountains. It was the ideal place for a railroad, rich with redwood timber and strategically located between San Francisco Bay and the port of Santa Cruz. At the time, one of the only ways to get to Santa Cruz from San Francisco was a four-day bumpy horse and buggy ride. The railroad would be a game-changer. The only problem was, Fair didn't really know anything about trains.
3: But he also had a bit of a henchman who was kind of the on-the-ground person that was overseeing daily operations.
2: That guy's name was Alfred Davis, but everyone called him Hogg.
3: And he was an interesting guy, apparently quite friendly most of the time, but he also had a bit of an attitude when he wanted to.
2: As you might guess from the nickname Hog, he was a big fellow with some serious sideburns and, lucky for fair, a lot of railroad savvy. Derek says it was an ambitious undertaking. Only the combination of Fair's deep pockets and Davis's know-how gave the route any chance. The Santa Cruz Weekly Sentinel described the ambitious construction in 1879. With its great bores, its powerful bridges, its heavy rails, its easy curves, its expensive right-of-way, its smell of money from one end of the line to the other... We say nobody else would build this road. Few can do it. Laying the tracks was an engineering challenge. Crews had to build eight tunnels to make it through the mountains. Two stretched over a mile. And one broke the record for the longest railroad tunnel in California. But digging it came at considerable human cost. The lives of dozens of Chinese migrant workers. Inseparable from the story of California's railroads is the exploitation of Chinese migrants, who often did the most dangerous jobs for a fraction of what white laborers were paid. For every mile of track laid in Santa Cruz County between 1875 and 1880, one Chinese worker died. Construction of one of the most ambitious tunnels, the Summit Tunnel, began in 1878 and was plagued from the start. Underground, crews complained of suffocating fumes and oil oozing from the earth. The air got so bad that workers began to pass
3: out. But they kept cutting through the mountain because they had to make their tunnel.
2: In November of 1879, methane gas that had been building up inside the cavern ignited into a fireball the Santa Cruz Weekly Sentinel described its devastation.
0: The explosion was followed by a sheet of lurid flame, which the great mountain belched forth, consuming everything before it.
2: The blast killed 32 Chinese workers.
3: Most of their bodies were returned to China, from what I understand, but there was several years where there was a Chinese cemetery up in the mountains where some of the workers had been buried.
2: After the explosion, the gas leak was fixed. But for years, the tunnel was said to be haunted by the ghost of those who died digging it. In May of 1880, the South Pacific Coast Railroad opened for business. And despite the ghastly toll leading up to the debut, it was an overnight success. Traveling at speeds up to 70 miles per hour, passengers could now get from Alameda to the Santa Cruz Boardwalk in just under four hours. Riders lined up to escape city life for an afternoon taking in sandy beaches and boardwalk amusements. In the 1920s, the line earned the nickname the Suntan Special.
3: Especially during the summer, it would bring tourists from all over the Bay Area, thousands of people on busy days.
2: For others, the pristine wilderness and fresh air of the Santa Cruz Mountains was the main draw. Sunset Magazine rhapsodized about the region's natural beauty in 1904. Within 20 minutes, one can bury oneself in the redwood forests of the Santa Cruz range of mountains. Her innumerable glens and shade retreats invite the mind to relaxation and the body to healthy repose. On weekends, crowds would flock to Sunset Park, a popular and sometimes rowdy picnic area outside
3: Wrights. So there's tons of people drinking, bands playing. It was kind of a messy place.
2: Along with tourism, industry flourished.
3: There were several quarries along the line, quicksilver mines.
2: Farms grew apples and sugar
3: beets. Oh, gunpowder, that's a big one.
2: But the railroad's biggest export by far was the sturdy lumber harvested from redwood trees.
3: Over half of the traffic on the line was that.
2: The timber helped build San Francisco and was shipped all over.
3: They had lumber sent over to Hawaii, all along the West Coast, they had it sent down to Mexico. In
2: 1887, with business booming, Fair sold his upstart railroad to the Southern Pacific Transportation Company, one of the industry goliaths he'd set out to challenge. The price, $6 million. That's like 160 million today. Under new management, trains kept chugging along the mountain route until 1940.
3: The reason why it failed was basically the automobile. The new Ford cars for 1940. Here's the news you've been waiting for.
2: Yep, the state-built Highway 17, pretty much paralleling the old tracks. Now that people had cars and a new road, the railroad's profits plummeted. To make matters worse, The railroad lost its major export, lumber, once loggers had stripped the mountains bare. An article from the Santa Cruz Weekly Sentinel in 1883 describes the wasteland loggers left behind. The South Pacific Coast Railroad has been finished but a short time, yet on either side of its roadbed, it has covered the hills with stumps and taken from the canyon their evergreen covering. In February of 1940, with the railroad barely scraping by, a storm hit the Santa Cruz Mountains. Without trees to hold the hillside in place, the earth collapsed.
3: It caused huge chunks of the line to sink. There's a couple spots where you can actually see the tracks like hanging off the ledge.
2: After the storm, Southern Pacific decided the repairs just weren't worth the cost. Most of the tunnels were sealed with dynamite or left to decay and the once-booming mountain towns faded off the map. But this isn't where the story of the mountain route ends. The final stretch of track between Felton and the Santa Cruz boardwalk survived the storm. These days, a company even runs trains on the weekends for tourists. Ironically, as traffic on Highway 17 has picked up over the years, people are talking about reviving the old railroad.
3: So almost every feasibility study has said that, yes, a route to the mountains is a good idea, and the current existing route is probably the most logical one.
2: Some communities have pushed back, arguing that a commuter train would spoil Santa Cruz's identity as a locals-only beach town.
3: The truth of the matter today is Santa Cruz already is all those things that people are afraid it was gonna become. They may pretend that it's not, but we're basically a satellite community of Silicon Valley these days. So
2: will a train ever run those old rails again?
3: My wish and my dream is of course that it would, but I'm not super hopeful I'm ever gonna see it in my lifetime.
2: Today, the San Jose Water Company owns most of the land surrounding the old tunnels. But some of the portals can still be glimpsed from narrow mountain roads off Highway 17. And though overgrown with moss and vines, tunnels still protrude from the hillsides, mysterious ruins signaling the bygone days when steam engines burrowed deep into the mountain.
1: That was reporter Peter Arcuni. Thanks to Derek Whaley and listener Sue Corn odom for the question that inspired this episode. We've got a new voting round up on our website with three great questions.
2: I really enjoy taking my dog to Albany Bulb for walks. It has great art, a great view, and nice trails. What is the history of all the construction trash turned into art located all over the area? Is the Concord Naval Weapons Station operational at all? And if so, what is the function of the station? What's with the shipwreck in the mudflats of Radke Martinez Regional Shoreline Park? I heard that the captain purposely beached it there because he wanted to retire.
1: We need your help to decide what to report next. Go to baycurious.org to cast your vote. Bay Curious is produced by Susie Racho, Katie McMurrin, and me, Katrina Schwartz. Our show is made at member-supported KQED in San Francisco. See you next week.
0: Okay. Our question for the month is: The world's longest running pillow fighting contest was held from 1966 to 2006 in what Bay Area town? Our trivia quiz is made possible by Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Good luck. Hi there. I'm Randa Fadath from Throughline.
1: If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained.